having a good day. Uh, welcome, 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 welcome to DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. And uh, I am super excited today. Today is a special day because today is Poweronomics Thursday. And uh, as you all know, that it's been a while since we've had a chance to have uh, our good friend uh, in uh, into the podcast. Uh, but I'm so happy that he's here. Uh, his name is Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books, Poweronomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. And those of you that are in the book club, <clears throat> you're, aware, <clears throat> excuse me, you're aware of Black Labor, White Wealth, because we've been reading this book intensely and very carefully. And so uh, so I want to welcome all of you into the chat and also ask my good friend, uh, Dr. Anderson, how are you doing today, sir? You might not believe this, Doc. And I'm, I'm a, going to make a big surprise and present it to you. You know what it is? What's that? I feel better today than I have felt in about five or six years. I wow. Yeah. And wow. uh, that's why I was looking forward to, to being with you today. So I'm 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 comfortably, comfortably happy. And uh, and I feel that there's not because I've had such an overwhelming amount of success come my way. And when normally it's a, a school bus that runs over me and parks on top of me. But uh, but in this case, I just feel that most of the things I want in life, I think I got now. And mm. uh, and the top of that list is your friendship. So that's most of it right there. That's about 80 percent of it. And uh, but I'm happy. I feel good. And, wow. uh, and 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 I guess one of the biggest things I'm happy about is that most of my life uh, I started off in the politics by making predictions. And most of them used to come true. That's why I got on with different governors and also with presidents and stuff like that. And I and I, I can say with all assurances that every prediction I've ever made has always come true. And now I'm happy. I'm happy by looking at a negative that I told black folk over and over again, 20 something years ago when I put out Powernomics, that that again, the, the, uh, the Democrats are going to let you down again, take you for granted and use you and do nothing for you. And that's exactly what's going on right now in the Biden administration. Nobody's doing anything for black folk. We do not have not one, not one doc. Black personality, visible person who's self-sufficient enough to be able to stand up for black folk, to do anything for black folk, to bring anything to black folk, solely and strictly to black folk, and not get engaged in horizontal issues. And every black I know that has any visibility is spending all their time and energy taken care of by things that have no application, implication for black folk. They are majoring in the minors. They are engaged in horizontal issues. And horizontal issues usually means those things that have impact and they have an effect and a beneficiary uh, effect on everybody. Nobody looks out for black folk. And that, mm-hmm. and, and a horizontal issue, as you know, politics in general, that's a horizontal issue. Anybody can, be, can, can engage in politics. I don't care whether you're in Afghanistan or in South Florida. Um, religion, everybody got religions all around the world. And they got, got all, we got, you can't indescribable number of religions, um, gender issues. Every they got genders in every society, different genders. Um, those are all horizontal issues. Poverty. You got poor people everywhere. The Bible talked about that, mentioned and, and proclaimed that way back, way back two a couple of thousand years ago. But we got um, uh, what else, Doctor Anderson? Uh, uh, we got we got issues with. Um, with veterans versus non-veterans. The world is running over with, 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 with symptoms, and yet black folks still majoring in minors, like any of those issues I just, just announced to you. Always want to deal with something that is ceremonious and superficial, has no significance with black folk. None of those things are make any, have will gain any traction with black folk. That's why black folks' condition remains totally unchanged since the beginning of slavery, and also in the second time, following the Civil War. We're not going to be place. Nobody's focusing on pushing things strictly solely for black folk. If you're pushing it for everybody, it won't black, do black folk any good. That, mm. that, that, that contradicts and erases blacks' exceptionality in our society. Mm. Every, everybody who uh, just came in, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books, Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, and Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. Uh, if you all could uh, put your B1s in the chat, uh, after you hit the thumbs up button, subscribe button, do that, and then put a B1 in the chat. 
uh, to let us know that you are black first, that you are okay with putting your community at the top of your priority list and also making sure that your people are doing well before you start taking care of all people. Uh, that's what we believe in. That's, that's, uh, we're not, we're not shy about that. And also, uh, please, uh, greet Dr. Anderson and let him know how happy you are, uh, that he's doing better and how much we appreciate him. I think it's very important that we do that and be very conscious about these sorts of things. Uh, because, uh, as far as I'm concerned, people like Dr. Anderson, those are, you know, he, he's my superhero. This, this is the kind of guy that I look up to. Um, I, you know, I've never, I don't believe in looking to media. Uh, to give you uh, what you need. Uh, you got what you need in your own community. You got to value that. So, Dr. Anderson, let me um, let me ask you this question then. Uh, okay. So, so you talk oh. about Biden. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. So, so you talked about Biden, and you 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 feel that the Biden presidency isn't really delivering uh, the way we wanted to, uh, the way we the way Black folks need. Um, and also last night, um, I don't know if you know that or not. You and I talked about it briefly. Uh, I remind you on Wednesday nights we're reading this book. We're reading Black Labor White Wealth uh, in the in our book club, and uh, yeah, we were going through. Uh, we're still in the early stages of the book, and and one of the things that was brought up was something that you just mentioned that there is a uh, lack of understanding amongst uh, prominent blacks, prominent black people that uh, black people haven't been making progress, you know, particularly in the areas of economics and education, things like that. Or about 100,000 black kids graduate from high school every year without even being able to read on grade level. Uh, wealth wise, our wealth it has not has not grown. And, uh, and, and it seems like this falls on deaf ears. It seems that there's really nobody on the national level that's really talking about this uh, from the Al Sharptons all the way across the board. Uh, what do you think it would take to get them to start understanding that or having legitimate measuring sticks uh, so that they stop just sort of thinking that because they're up there and on TV, that somehow that's progress for black people? You know, I'll say the same thing I told told one uh, host on one of the radio stations, I guess, about 20, 21, 21 years ago, about, 19, about 1900 uh, and 99. I told him that time he, he asked the same question. I said, you know, you know what it take? to change black folks condition is more pain. I know that doesn't seem like it makes any sense about my saying that to you, but we need more pain. That's it. That's the long and short of it. Because I found out a long time ago, you know, as a doctor in the medical medical field, one of the things of a dry person to a doctor's office is that he can have a, he can have a, a sore foot, a sore leg or a sore eye, anything he wants to. But as long as he can tolerate that pain, he will not go to a medical practitioner that has any expertise and knowledge about how to resolve his problem. He was sitting down, well, I'll just put some, I'll bathe in my foot tonight and I'll put a rag on my head tomorrow. Maybe that'll be okay and I'll take some aspirin. But once that pain becomes so acute, <laughs> doctor, that so he can't stand the pain anymore. You know what he'll do? He'll take his butt to the doctor then. You see, in other words, that leg started, well, he can't walk anymore and the legs start turning purple and gangrene sets in, then he'll go to the doctor. But until that leg becomes so severe and acute in the pain, he's going to continue to tolerate it. Right now, black folk are tolerating pain, tolerating pain to the foremost, because it's still not enough pain. Even after four, after 365 years of slavery, 150 years of, of semi-slavery, and another 60 years of benign neglect, black folks still need some more pain. They're not going to do it until that, until that happens. Let me, let me give you another thing I, I found out. Even in, in <clears throat> survival in the Marine Corps overseas, one of the things I learned early in, in, when we, in trying to rehabilitate our prisoners is that, is that people will tolerate something until the point when, and, uh, where they say, well, uh, I don't mind dying because I'm going to stop this pain one way or the other. Black people right now in these urban areas, they know that we're undergoing a, gentr- a new form of gentrification and they're beginning to get wiped out. This new Opportunity Act that was passed about two or three years ago by, by uh, Trump is now encouraging people from the major society to come into every black community in the country and to gentrify it, take it over. They're being, they're being put out of existence in space in every major city, but they sit there and tolerate it. A black person right now will sit outside on a street corner and look around him and he'll see, he can see garbage cans over here. He can see somebody throwing away beer cans here. And he can see weeds growing up behind him, as tall as he is, a raggedy fence run down. He'll sit there with his friends and talk and yak, yak, yak all day long. He'll tolerate those conditions. 
and anybody that would tolerate anything and that and today become accustomed to it, you, there's nothing you can do for them. And see, the pain is not acute enough on black folk yet. And we found that, that even prisoners, prisoners will tolerate pain on, 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 so long as you do not, as long as you do not, uh, uh, as long as it's, 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 it can be severe, but not severe enough to, to make them change. We don't have enough. We don't, we don't have enough pain yet. And mm. uh, found that out from watching the prisoners, they would take it. They'd take it just to get an apple. They they, they would sell their own people out for a piece of, for a candy bar. Mm. And black folk would do the same thing right now. They sell their own people out just to get just to get a job in a major white corporation, because the epitome of success in the black community is not doing something for black folk. It's for appearing someplace with white folks. And they're looking up and say, there's the only black that is being successful. That is a that's, that's successful for a black person to look forward to being making a having a job in a major white business. But you never heard of any other group, Asian, Hispanic, Arab, Muslim, anybody saying my my point of, of determining my successibility or successfulness is my how high I can get a job in the white corporations. Only blacks will do that. Blacks will look forward to getting a big job or a title and working with some in media, magazines, uh, corporations, businesses, automobiles, and, and yet they own nothing. And that's when the pain is out there. When the pain comes, blacks will change. Mm. Well, you know, um, I'll tell you, uh, Dr. Anderson, it, it, that is a good point. Um, I was uh, um, reflecting. I'd like to get your thoughts on some of this. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, HBCUs and what you know about maybe the history of HBCUs. Now, I have nothing against HBCUs, um, but uh, I, I do find it interesting that some of the HBCUs, particularly schools like Howard and Spelman, were actually named after after white folks. And uh, and 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 I wondered if this is connected to the fact that it seems that the the, the mission of many of our universities, even HBCUs, was not so much to empower the black community to build independent wealth, but it, as much as it was to train black people to go work for white people. And, uh, and I'm wondering if you could speak to some of that history uh, and, and, and what that led me to believe, you know, and I know in the black business schools is, is basically we've just said we need to reshape business education for black folks and help uh, our people understand it from a foundational standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't just work for the businesses. You go build the businesses. Uh, you make the investments. You don't want to just sort of be the capital. You want to be the owner of the capital. You don't just manage the capital. You you want to actually control the capital. Uh, that doesn't seem to be a common kind of message. Uh, can you speak to that in terms of uh, maybe where uh, HBCUs or, or just universities in general are coming up short and closing the racial wealth gap? <laughs> That, that's funny. You know why? <laughs> our, school system, our school system, as they presently exist, they were they were models strictly and primarily for black folk. White folk never had a problem having schools. They didn't have a, because they they had they had religious schools. They had all kind of parochial schools. But the, our present school structure was structured primarily to handle all the million of black kids that are going to be freed from slavery and accommodate them. And the first one you just mentioned was Howard. See, they weren't designed to educate you and equip you to be competitive with people. <laughs> wow. So, please, please keep talking. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, by the, the, the way you laugh because I, yeah. I think people need to understand this. So uh, give us what, what history you know. Uh, I, you know, I, I know you are a, a black history expert, but I don't expect you to know everything, but I know you know a lot. Uh, what do we not know in terms of the history of HBCUs that you think uh, black folks should understand not to be critical, not to attack them, but to really talk about why they were created and 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 what the out, how the outcome connects to why they were created. Do, do you well, see what I mean? Yeah, I do. But see, <clears throat> from the get go, starting about immediately after the Civil War ended, at that time they said they have to do something to accommodate these black kids. They can't just have them running wild, put them into a school and so a school setting. So they said, well, how are we going to do that? And so they said, well, what we'll do is that we'll have a few uh, uh, what we call abolitionists to, to, to set up special schools here and there, a little small room houses, maybe educate about, about five or six kids in a room and for, for educating black kids. But they were instructed from the get go, do not try to educate black kids to be competitive with white kids. That is a no, no, no. 
There's never been any school system in the United States, including your favorite school, Howard. Howard was not designed to educate blacks or equip black folk to be competitive with whites. That was never their design. And I hear people talk, well, Howard University is this, Howard. Howard University fell was one of the first ones that set a model for what black was happening to black HBCs right now across the country. Howard University was named after Howard, the, uh, the general for, in the, during the Civil War. And he'd done such a magnificent job of trying to be able to, 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 to end some, some formal forms of slavery in the United States. He got appointed to be the first president of Howard University. And Howard University was put in effect to be able to, by, by the radical Republicans at that time, immediately after the Civil War for that 10-year, what we call a Reconstruction period. And, and that's what the word Reconstruct means. And so they, they, they asked him to be able to set up schools to accommodate their children, the children they were having by women, by black women, either as wives or mistresses. And all those blacks, so how it was set up to be a special school for the, for the offsprings of white elected officials in the United States. And they would, and it was set up to be a special school for them. And, and, and a white man was the first one to be the president of it. He stated, and they had white presidents up until about 19, almost 1950. They were always operating, again, to under special privileges set up by the United States government. So Howard was the only school, then I'm going to go back and talk about the regular schools. Howard was set up to be a special school to accommodate and bring pleasure and comfort and, and, and a sense of relaxation and non-competitiveness into the white society and by by the uh, principal parents of offsprings, mulatto offsprings, mulatto, mulatto, mulatto offsprings of white congressmen. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it was for. So consequently, it's now, and we will fund you. And that's the only school that the government approved to be to fund to, was that one which, which would bring comfort to whites. So whites got benefited out of it, benefits out of it by having, having public funds pay for educating their children and the babies of white congressmen and white elected officials. And so that's why Howard was the only school that gave, was given permission to, do, to, to create a few schools inside that university that would, that would try to equip those mulatto kids to be, able, and, uh, to be able to be competitive with whites. And they put up two schools. First, the first one was, was a medical school. That's why Howard was the only black school that had a medical school. Then the second one was a law school. That was for, for so, so blacks could, could go into law. And the third one, again, was to do some business development. That was it. For all the regular schools, when we go back to the other schools in a few seconds, that was designed to, to equip black folks to be, be uh, trained strictly in manual arts. Manual arts, so that what you can do with your hands and, and your back. That was it. But how it was set up to be for, only for the elites. That's why I always talk about how it being a capstone of this, capstone of that. It was a capstone of creating blacks that wind up eventually being as sample as they can be and still be accepted into society and accepted by black folk who didn't know any better what Howard's real purpose was, was to kind of consolidate and conflate, to conflate mulatto kids with the regular kids so they wouldn't look like it would be a, be a special privileged kid, a school rather, for whites and semi-white kids. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, everybody who's watching, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. He's the author of the books, Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, and Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. Uh, if you have not taken a look at his books, uh, you should definitely go to powernomics.com and take a look. He has the whole library pack of all of his books, plus a DVD for $99. Uh, I'm a big believer that these are the first books your kids should read. Uh, every family should have these books. Uh, we We are the school system. We are the school system. Uh, and, uh, and, and in order for us to be the school system, we must decide what our children are going to learn, uh, what's going to go in their brain. So, uh, I hope you'll go to powernomics.com, uh, to take a look at that. Uh, also Dr. Ann, I want to ask you about this. Before you leave that doc, let, let me go back and go, jump back one second, not once, maybe about a minute to talk about the regular schools. The regular schools went in effect about, 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 <clears throat> sorry, about 1860, about 1868. They went in there to try to educate black kids in general, but teach them manual skills. They were authorized to create create skills and some social development in certain certain sections, like for instance, in social work, okay, and nursing to bring some healthcare, go house nurses, house, house home, what's called home, home nursing, domestic servants, or learn domestic cooking. So all the schools taught domestic cooking to a girl 
by the time she got to be, get into about 13 or 14 years of age, she was taught to be able to cook in a home and to be able to, to sew and wash clothes and take care of babies and stuff like that. Um, they also, and for the boys, they taught them stuff like woodwork. <clears throat> they learned wood shop <clears throat> and uh, any skill that uh, brick laying and, uh, and pipe fitting. And so, so pretty soon after about, about two or three generations, black folk were producing, those manual arts schools were producing the heaviest concentration of artistic, and I mean, they're not artistic, but are artisans in the South and in the country. That's why the United States Department of Commerce in, 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 uh, in, 19, in uh, about 1905 put out a study showing that almost 90% of the artesian workers in the United States were blacks. They were the ones who could do all, could do all that, one, could run shops because they had been trained to take care of themselves. In the South, blacks and black kids, no black kid could graduate from a school in the South without, without having put in at least two years in a shop. And he would go to school from, from, from the first grade to the 10th grade. If he made it that far, the last two years before he can get a certificate or graduate from a school in the South, he had to put in a, a half a day every day into a shop. He was learning things like woodwork, uh, plumbing, electricity, uh, brick laying, all these kind of things. And that's why most of the blacks coming from the South were contractors. They did the contracting work, not Hispanics, no other groups. They, no, they, Hispanics could not beat them and take the jobs in those days because black folk had been taught manual skills and manual crafts. Now the elite was up to up with, with, with Howard. And then they set up a few more uh, church-based religious schools that taught the, and, and I think one or two in Tennessee and someplace else, they tried to pick up and try to emulate Howard. And they, had, and they created a, a, a couple of black uh, medical schools. One was Howard, um, down Flint, Florida Am University. And I had a hospital for a short period of time. We had a, we had a hospital uh, in, uh, in Harlem where black kids are learning can go and have their own hospitals. But by and large, the only place where black folk could get those kind of skills that would make them competitive with whites, like architecture and engineering, was go to Howard. And, and a few black schools developed in the South later and, and again, offer some competitive skills. But most of them came out of Howard. Really? OK. OK. So so, uh, you know, the, the point that you made about the crafts and the trades, um, it seems like we lost a lot of that. You know, I know um, I got a message, a, a text message from a friend of mine who's getting their their whole kitchen redone. And she was sending me pictures. And one thing she said was she said that you know, the whole crew was uh, Hispanic. And she said there was a time where black people were the ones who had all those jobs. Right. And uh, and it seems that now that, you know, with the immigration policy being what it is, things like that, that black people kind of been pushed to the side in a lot of those areas. Um, can you kind of speak to some of that in terms of what you see in terms of shifting uh, in the, those economic dynamics that, that, that really matter for our people? Well, yes. And see that, that, that shift occurred in, 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 in response to the civil black civil rights movement of the 1960s. They got tripped, locked in box and didn't know it. And all of a sudden they, they white, what white folks told them was that, look, look, if y'all want social integration and, and really nobody, no, no black had, had more than a damn, high school education would ever tell them to go short, short, go chase social integration. Social integration is a negative. Anytime you integrate anything, you're weakening it. They was weakening black folk down by going for social integration. Black folk never asked for social integration. They wanted desegregation, which means stop using the government to give preferential and treatment in terms of wealth, power, and resources to the whites and not to the blacks. That's what, that was the issue. When it got into the Supreme Court decision by 1954, the NAACP jumped in there and with, with, a, with, a, with a group of ex, uh, uh, executive lawyers that says, let's, 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 let's close down all the black schools and, say that, and, and let's come up with some ridiculous statements that show that, that, we, that we don't want anymore. We don't want any more dual systems. We only want one school system and that and that'll be a white one. Anything that's black got to be got to be faded out, erased. And so they started closing all of, down all of black schools in the United States. And they started saying that we're going to close down all the black public schools and integrate them. And what integration means, like I asked them, when I, when I was I was the first black to get appointed over an entire state school system. I asked the people in Florida, I said, what does social what does social integration mean to you all down here? And so they came back from the Department of Education and said, well, you know, Dr. Elsa, social integration means uh, here, here's our plan. We're going to close down 
We're going to close down Sunday. We're going to fire all the black teachers, the black administrators, the black counselors, and the black uh, 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 specialists to help black folks in these schools. We're going to close them down. We're going to close that. We're going to fire, uh, close down all the black schools and convert them over to warehouses. And uh, and we're going to ship 75% uh, of the black kids on buses to white schools and put the rest into special education classes. That, that's what social integration meant. They closed down the black schools. And so black schools quit, ceased and desist in doing, giving those special courses for black folk. They said, in addition to closing down all of your schools and firing all your teachers and administrators and your counselors, we're also going to say that you can no longer teach anything as black. You cannot teach black history anymore. You cannot focus on blackness anymore. That you now must be a miniature white school that all black public colleges that you just asked about HBUCs, you must function as miniature white colleges, which means you have no more, you no longer have a special mission to elevate black folk, to bring, make, bring blacks into a higher level of comp- competitiveness with other groups. You can no longer do that. And, th- and secondly, that you must now, any monies you get, you must open it up in terms of giving scholarships and, 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 and uh, other financial assistance, not just to black kids. You must give it to any other kid who approaches your, your HBUCs. And so in 19, like as a matter of fact, as a point, I'm, what I'm talking about, <clears throat> in, in 1996, Bush passed a resolution that says basically that any white school, any white school in the United States that gets a 20 to 21% uh, uh, Hispanic population is now equal to a black HBUC. And that they can go into that same pot of money that you put in for, for G- and the fraud is going on by pretending that HBCUCs are getting a certain amount of money. That's BS. Because that money goes into there. Now any white kid can go to a black school and get scholarships and all kind of and all kind of financial assistance based on his whiteness. But a black kid cannot go into those, every white school and, and, and say, we want to get financial assistance and scholarship. They'll say, well, that's, that's discrimination. You're discrimination against, against the Arabs and the, and, the, and the Asians. If we give you all something in a white school, but, those, but, but, but if you go to a black school and you're white, you can get all those rewards and, and compensations and financial assistance. And see, so it's a whole crap game going. Hmm. Well, well, well uh, everybody, everybody uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books, uh, Black Labor, White Wealth, uh, The Black History Re- Reader, Powernomics, uh, and many more. His website is powernomics.com. Also, I want to remind everybody, uh, follow us on Instagram at The Real Boyce Watkins. And uh, don't forget that tonight uh, we're going to premiere our new movie, uh, the new movie we just made called Till Death Do Us Part. And uh, you can actually register. We're going to show it tonight at 8 p.m. It's totally free to the community. Anybody can come for free. Uh, we don't want uh, the cost to stop you from watching uh, good black movies because we believe that it's not just a matter of talking about taking over industries. It's about actually doing it. So we've been making we've been making movies. They've been seen by millions of people. And uh, we believe that if you don't like media, then you should seek to control that. So uh, blackmovienight.net is where you can register uh, to watch the film. And I want to ask you about that, Dr. Anderson. So um, and, you know, so let, let's shift gears a little bit in terms of industry. Oh, you know, Doc, 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 can, I, can I make two minutes and close out that other point? Oh, please. Okay. Sure. Now, see, when I was appointed over education for the state of Florida. That's everything in the public sector and the private sector, from the from the nursery school all the way to the graduate school. I was the only black in the entire United States was put in such a powerful position, prestigious position to be over education. And see, one of the first thing the whites voted for in the legislature, in the state legislature, said, "Let's close down FAMU." Based on what Anderson's saying, because he's right, is that right now we don't we don't we don't need two uni- universities in Tallahassee, Florida. We don't need to have Florida State University over here and Florida A and University over here. But we do that. We need to merge those two schools. And for instance, they closed down the law school in FAMU. They closed down the hospital in FAMU. And the only thing was left was just just a little center liberal arts aspect of it. Then they say, but in the liberal arts, we don't even want you to teach any anything dealing with race matters. You got to be small miniature colleges. It's an offense. It's offensive to white kids and other kids that come to your school and hear about race matters in a black school, an HBUC. Don't teach those classes. You got to go mainstream. Social integration means mainstream. It means strip yourself. Social integration means strip yourself of your of your heritage, your history, your your leadership, your money, your your institute, uh, all your 
all these things that you've been taking pride in having, your music, everything black has to disappear under social integration based on the 1954 desegregation decision. And so FAMU then, they're gonna, <coughs> so we're gonna what we're gonna do, <coughs> excuse me, is emerge Florida State University with Florida a University. And there's not one black in the country to understand why that merger did not occur. It didn't occur because I blocked it. I went, I went to the state legislature and said, no, you're not gonna play, close out that university. Even though I know now it's not doing what it should be doing because no black school in the country right now has accepted their traditional and, and, and a classical role for black children to make them competitive with whites. And they still try to say, well, white teachers do a good job with black kids. White folk aren't that stupid. They're not going to raise your kids to be equal to competitive with theirs. And so I said, You're not, you can't close down Florida University. And they were planning on building, like, building a, a, a road, major uh, boulevard, right through down through Florida University campus. They didn't, blacks didn't know that. They didn't even know that. And I told them, you can't do that. They said, we're going to take Adams Street. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to widen it, make it, a, make it a four lane and go right down the center of the campus. That way, those black, black kids have to go to Florida State University. And I said, that's BS. And I raised so much hell and as, as over education for the state of Florida. They now have to go down to Tallahassee and you, and you, hit, you leave the capital and start towards Florida and use it. turns, turns, you make, you make a, a quarter, about, a, uh, about 180 degree turns all the way around, all the way around and come back down, hit Adams and go back down to the center. But now it's a circle around because they, I would not let them drive and make it take uh, a four lane street right through the heart of Flamu's campus to kill off the black university. And now the university is still not doing what it should be doing. Mm. I, said, I said, get some pros on there for black folk. They said, well, Dr. Answer, we got the best, we got the best business schools right now on the campus. I said, why is that? Oh, well, because we got, I said, what are you teaching? They said, we teach business administration. I said, quit teaching damn business administration. Teach, teach industrialization to black kids. Teach them how to build industries and factories. Don't be teaching them how to build, administrate, how to run somebody else, a white business. I said, that's your, well, they work for Procter & Gamble and they're working for Kodak. I said, no, I don't teach them that anymore. Teach them how to come out of that school, totally equipped to focus on black folks' needs, on black folks' key needs. And so at that time, I raised Cain about that and got, got, got him to build a special school there for, for business in, in, that, in that school. I put in a black uh, a col- uh, 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 college there component for educating black uh, chiefs of police across the country. And I, and I got that funded where, where, where blacks across America can come into, into Florida A&M University. I put a big control tower there. Where they learn how to set the place on fire, and learn how to break into buildings and put out fires, and, and be a be a fire chief. That was the only school in the United States that was teaching black folk how to be fire chiefs in the United States. Because otherwise, blacks could not have the experience and could not qualify to be a fire chief. I I put in a I put in a in a, a navy <coughs> training center there. I put in a navy training center for black kids to go into naval training and then get their tu- tuition free, and they learn how to learn how to be officers in the service. And, and, and run boats and stuff. Then I gave them a damn boat from, from my, when I was with President Carter. I gave them a PT boat so they can go out on the water and practice on, on, on using a ship. They didn't have any ships and equipment. I told, told the vice president, go all over the United States in that family, family and get anything you want, and I'll give it to you under my property disposal program. I'm, I don't mean to be belaboring the point. But my point is that, no, black schools have never, never, except that one few situations at Florida University, were ever equipped to be able to teach black folk the first thing they should be teaching them. Teach them where they are and what they should be working towards. That means that most of every curriculum right now in every damn public school should, and every and any of these black HBUC should be rewritten. Should be rewritten on where black folk are now and where you want them to go. What I mean by that, cut out trying to be miniature white colleges. Stop trying to be white miniature college. If the kids want to go to a white college, tell them go straight to it. Don't go to a black school and ask them convert your, uh, we want you to be a miniature white school. You go to that school and say, now, what should black folk be training? If you want to go to outer space, everybody's talking about going out of space, why aren't these black schools right now teaching black kids astron- astronautical skills? Why don't they teach them how to be pilots? Why don't you be teaching them right now to be engineers, to get spaceships up and rocket ships? Why don't you t- teach them about how to use uh, oxygen, liquid oxygen as pro- propellants for rockets and missiles? Why, do you, why aren't you teaching them right now how to live on a planet? And with, with proper clothing, how to raise vegetables, 
or whatever you need from out of space. In other words, we have no schools that are equipped in an HBUC to teach black folk where they are and to teach them where they wish to be going, what they need to learn to be competitive with whites in the country. There are only miniature white company corporation or white businesses teaching black kids to go and be aides and special assistants or administrators in white businesses or white schools. Mm. Uh, everybody who's uh, listening, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books, Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, and Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. Uh, it, uh, his website is powernomics.com. That's powernomics.com. Uh, take one second. Please hit the thumbs up button. Everybody right now, please hit that thumbs up button uh, because we are building black media. Uh, this is uh, something where we need everybody's help. All hands on deck. Just take a second, hit the thumbs up button, share this video uh, because uh, we want <clears throat> we need to be the school system. We need to be the industrialists. We need to create the industry. And uh, and so, Dr. Anson, I wanted to kind of uh, uh, ask you about, you know, something, um, you know, so so as everybody knows, uh, maybe you don't know. But tonight we're premiering a new movie we just made uh, and we've been making movies for about five or six years. have been seen by millions of people. Uh, we made Democracy, a black American horror story, uh, resurrecting Black Wall Street because we felt that every black person in America need to hear the black wall street story. Uh, we sold out a whole, you know, big old theater in Chicago, uh, showing this movie. And, uh, we've done a lot of other things, the black love blueprint, uh, because we feel that there was a deliberate effort to destroy the black family. Uh, we believe that the black family and the destruction of the black family was one of the keys to maintaining slavery, as well as one of the keys to controlling, controlling black folks, uh, even to this day. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this, you know, uh, as we as tonight, um, as we watch this this movie tonight, it's, it's actually called Till Death Do Us Part, but it's an extension of the whole Black Love Blueprint. The reason we did it is because we realized that there's so much trauma and pain from uh, slavery, Jim Crow, mass incarceration, uh, the war on drugs, uh, the crack era, things like that, that black folks are having trouble getting along with each other. You know, the men and the women, uh, they don't have like the way you and uh, Mrs. Anderson have been married for so many years and she's been an important part of your life and building you up and you build her up. Uh, you don't see that as much anymore. And uh, I believe that that's causing our community to lose. I believe that there are people that want our families destroyed and they want to keep it that way. They want the black man to be dismantled and removed and replaced by the government. You know, uh, I believe that they want uh, our us or any form of unity to be ruined. And I remember in Black Labor, White Wealth, you wrote, uh, specifically about specific laws and doctrines they put in place to ensure that black people did not unify, that you could not form strong units, families, or communities. Can you speak to some of that in terms of what we're up against, in terms of, of, of how important it is when you talk when they're maintaining systematic racism to keep black people as divided as possible? Can you kind of educate us on that so that we can kind of understand why this mission is so important? Uh, well, to, to only to disagree, that was that was what that that the whole purpose of slavery was to do two things primarily. One was to maldistribute almost 100 percent of all this nation's resources in terms of wealth building power and the privileges and opportunities. That was to put it all in the maldistributed into the hands of the dominant white society or those individuals who can cl be classified as either sub whites or a partner in the white partnerships across the country. That means people like Asians, Arabs, Hispanics or anybody like that. They can come in there. They're basically whites. Hispanics are them, but whites speaking Spanish. Consequently, they was they were classified as whites up until nineteen seventy when I wrote the when I when I had the dubious honor of writing the first affirmative action plan in the United States. I didn't write it for minorities and poor folk and people of color, a gender or handicap or crippled, deaf, dumb and blind, and those who are crawling around looking, playing, shooting crap on their knees in an alley. No, this was written for black folk. I wrote that plan for black folk. But as soon as, it, as soon as it got on the market, people switched it and started using, made it and expanded it for everybody. So consequently, it had no it had no net measurable impact on blacks. Well, well, jumping to that point, I told you earlier that another way they stripped the black colleges uh, of their little bit of their role, which was not re the real honest role in the first place, but it did work. The manual skills did help black folk throughout through sex through Jim Crow segregation. But they never had a, a school system was set up primarily strictly to educate black folk to be competitive people based on their needs and where they want to go and follow their plan and, and, and build their own industries in this country. Never happened. And why that's important is because when the Industrial Level Revolution first hit this earth, it went through Europe first in the 1700s. 
and, and the Industrial Revolution started in Europe, went all the way across Europe, and all those various nationalities had a chance to industrialize all the way over to the eastern, to the eastern areas of the, of, the, of, the, of the world. The only people that did not get to enjoy the fruits of industrialization in the 1700s were black folk because they were slaves and they were a part of the, of the slave process. They were the people use their labor. Everybody started using their labor as free labor and they freeloaded off of it. But when in, in the 1800s, when, uh, when the Industrial Revolution finally came to America in the 1800s, black folk were still enslaved and they were enslaved in America at that time. And they didn't get a chance in, to build industries. And, and, and in any respect, whites jumped onto industries and started building industries in the country. Those same whites that were in Europe when industrial relations went, went through Europe, they then, the, the next generation, they were coming to America to apply those things they learned about industrial relations. And they're going to use black folk just like they used them in Europe during the 1700s. They're going to use them in the 1800s. And consequently, blacks never learned those skills. Now, here's what they did. When they did set up those schools, I forgot to tell you this a few minutes ago, they took, they, they made sure the money was spread to everybody. Never have you ever heard uh, anybody say, we want all the colleges. Well, see, when black folk were slaves, American Indians were slaveholders too. They were slaveholders. They held blacks enslaved. All the major Indian tribes were, were pimped and hustled black folk. And now you see them getting special privileges across this country. And they've been getting them now ever since the early 1900s. But, 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 but they, they mandated Every kid on a black reservation, a black Indian, had to go to school. He had to go to school. He had to go. And any and any immigrants coming in here, they sat on the front row with the white kids. Black kids were outside washing the windows or mopping the floors or sweeping the yards. And so, and so any funds that went into it, they got a, they got a college fund for Indians. You cannot get any of those monies out of a college fund for Indians. Only Indians can get that money. But now for the HBUCs that you were asking about earlier a few minutes ago, anybody can get that money out of there. That's why I said any white college right now can get as much money as they want out of the HBUC fund by simply saying, we write a, a, a notation saying we got a 21% white pop, Hispanic population now in this country. So now we want to get, we want to be equal to black folk in getting monies out of the HBUC funds. And so when you go to brag about how much money you put into the HBUC, you see funds, you're telling a lie. Most of that money is not even going to blacks. It can go to anybody. American Indians can take money out of that pot. Whites can take it out, Asians, Arabs, and everybody else. That's why right now in Harvard, all these elite, uh, elite what they call them, this rather than elites, they are now demanding that, that, they, that you strip, you stop giving racial preferences to black folk in white colleges. Stop giving. That's going on right now. I have not heard one black person make an issue out of that. And now all the major universities are being challenged to stop giving out racial preferences to black. But at the same time, a white kid can go to a black college, HBUC, anytime and not only get a minute, he can go in and get special grants and scholarships. Something is wrong. That's why that's why uh, I said that law and, and that little resolution and, and executive order in, in uh, ninety six by the Bush says that anything that has a significant amount of white uh, um, um, Hispanics going to anything that's white is now classified as being equal to a black college. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, I think that's, that's important information for sure. And uh, and and actually, uh, it, it, so so let's let's dig into that though. I, I want to dig. I want to go back to that group economics issue that 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 you you talk about uh, so well in Black Labor, White Wealth, and Poweronomics. Um, I, I was, you know, earlier I was, I was thinking, I was sort of, I wanted to go in the direction of, of talking about uh, why, because you think about it, right? When you got these problems with these systems, these universities not doing what they're supposed to do, corporations not doing what they're supposed to do, government not doing what it's supposed to do, uh, you have to battle that. You have to battle systems with a system. Systematic racism is a system. Uh, where are systems? And so when I read Poweronomics, uh, I, I'm picking up from, from your, your argument that a lot of your systems can come from your groups. And, yes. uh, and, and what I was mentioning earlier was like the family. I believe the family is your first group. And, uh, and, I, and from what I've read in your books about slavery, there was an effort to ensure that you never had groups, that black people were not um, mm -hmm. positioned to battle as a collective, as a team. You talk about wealth being a team sport. Uh, I don't see a lot of teams. I see single mothers trying to do it all by themselves. I see single fathers with kids everywhere trying to do it, you know, trying to figure it out, trying to survive. 
And that's not powernomics. That's strugglenomics. That is, I'm just, you know, I can't change the world because I'm barely just trying to keep my head above water. Right. And that becomes a, a very common struggle. So 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 the, the, the direction I wanted to ask you to go uh, to, to address on that is, um, OK, so so we know that these systems and these institutions are not going to do right by us. Uh, I believe those systems exist in our community. I believe those institutions can be uh-huh. built in our community. Uh, like, uh-huh. for example, the Harvest Institute is a, our think tank. We should support think tanks that represent our interests. Our family. I see my family as an institution that protects me against some of the things that uh, might try to harm me or steal my wealth. Uh, I have collectives of, of black businessmen and black business women that I work with that create systems. So, can you? Can I, I'd like to get your thoughts on um, how we can form better groups? How do we form better systems and uh, and unify so that we can sort of combat some of this? Because I see a lot of division, and that, and that was why we made this movie about family. Because I said, y'all, y'all need to learn from people like Dr. Anderson, who's been married to his wife all those years. I can't imagine you have been able to be the man you are without family. Uh, can you kind of speak to some of that a little bit? Yes, I can. <clears throat> and you can't. And, and you're absolutely right. You can't do it. You can't. Because the second thing that uh, besides stripping black folk of their of their wealth and see, most people don't know. So what black folk didn't have any wealth and they were slaves. Yes, they did have wealth. That's, that's another lie that's very commonly told and, and, and herald around the world that slaves didn't own and didn't have any wealth. They did have wealth. You know what their wealth was, doctor? I bet you you, you know it, but I'm, a, I'm just going to refresh your memory. It was their labor. Their labor was wealth. See, you cannot have wealth without labor. And what and what vice took from them was their wealth, their labor, because of what that was that was producing products, services, and goods for everybody that, that was had slaves. And so, so what white folk did, they stripped black folk of their potential to be able to convert their labor to wealth that would be passed on from generation to generation within their own their own community. And what so what does that mean? You got to have communities be able to hold it. So, so to get wealth, you got to have communities. I've stressed now for 60 years the importance of developing communities while at the same time all these civil rights and these and these very visible blacks keep talking about social integration, disintegration. They they, mm-hmm. they they, they want to say, no, we got to scatter out. Our power is being scattered. That's wrong. Nobody's Jews tried that in the 1500s and got wiped out. They decided we'll never try scattering ourselves out anymore. We're not going to be trying to, trying to, trying to scatter uh, all our practitioners in the religion to try to, be, to convert them to being Protestants and, and, and uh, Roman Catholics and all this. They stay strictly with what they are, their own group. And see, mm-hmm. what we need is that we need to have communities. Until you get communities, you cannot deal with the problems of the divisions and divisiveness that was created by slavery. Now, why is that true? Because you must first have a community. I'm going to use my hand as an example, put it in your screen. This is a level. This is a level where black folk are. Now, for them to be able to build, it's a it's a vertical structure. And first, to build it, you got to have a community. And in that community, once you start brought into the community, then you move to the next level. You can, once you build a community, then people be learning to do what? They learn to know each other, respect each other. Right now, black folk are scattered here to yonder. I can go into any city in the United States and black folk are scattered all over. You don't know, you don't have a black community any place in America. There's not one black community in the entire United States. How in the world are you going to compete in, in, through integration? How can you compete? Integration made you a guest, G-U-E-S-T. It made you a guest in what other people own and control. You could say, we don't have to be together. We don't have to be all go to the same store, the same business, and buy it. Let's keep our money with our own people, make it balance with our own people. We should be able to go to any place and give everybody our money anytime we want to give it to them. That shows the stupidity. And you got black politicians telling black folk, we're not monolithic. We don't all have to be belong to the same political party. We don't have to belong to the same religion. That's a lie. You should be. If you've been if you've been enslaved for 360 years, Jim Crow semi-slave another 150 years, benign neglected for another 60 years. Damn it, you should have by now learned you must stick together. And because racism is a team sport, you either play as a team or you lose by default. And whether you like it or not, God has arbitrarily sent your butt to the, to this earth and, and and gave and and assigned you to a color group. And that's what you should be sticking to and trying to stay together. And you won't have the device in this. And try to ver- try to vertically integrate. Once you get that community, and you go to the next level up, and that means you learn how to communicate with each other, 
right now, if you don't know the, if you, if you don't have a community, you don't know each other. You don't you don't have no knowledge of the next person, and you gotta say, well, let's say I'm in I'm living in Chicago. I gotta find somebody in Chicago, a black or in in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or in New York that I can cook, I can have be in harmony with. Won't work. You gotta be in harmony with the blacks in Chicago, and uh, and you have black folks going there teaching you stuff that's back but backwards. You can't you can't have community. See, once you once you stay, have a community and you get to know each other, you can communicate. Once you can communicate, then you go to the third level. The third level up is that you learn how to cooperate. You learn how to cooperate after you get to get a knowledge and a familiarity with the people that you live with. See, if you don't know the people, you're not gonna. If I tell you, send you to this doctor, and you don't know the doctor. I said, go to that doctor right there. I know you got one of those. You got a social disease. Go there, and he'll take care of you. You say, I don't know who the world is, but he. I know he's he's a. He was an immigrant. He came from the land of Mongol Duda, and now now you got to go in there and, and, and get a social disease treated. And he goes and you go in there and say, he said, drop your pants. You don't know what, you know, I don't, I don't know what this guy's going to do. You sit, you have to know each other. And once you know each other, then you go to the next level, you trust each other. And once you trust each other, then the top level, you then, you then cooperate. You will cooperate with somebody that you trust. But trust comes out of having a community with people you have knowledge of. Right now in Chicago, I'll bet you right now that 90% of the people living in Chicago, where you live, I'll bet you most of them don't even know their neighbors. Don't even know who's in the next that next building over or down the street. Most of them don't even know each other anymore. But when I was a kid in the, in, in, in Winston Salem, South uh, North Carolina, we knew everybody for about a mile around in a circumference. Everybody knew each other. We didn't lock. We didn't. We, we, we trusted. So we had trust. We had trust because we all lived in the same community. And when my mother said she was going downtown to shop, and I know I'm stretching this out and I'm taking up too much of your time. No. But, but once she was heading downtown and uh, she said, I'm going to go downtown and shop. She would say, Miss Jones and, and Miss Hattie, watch the kids. And then, and guess what? She left the house wide open, Doc. Wow. The back door would be open and the front door would be open. You know why? Because we didn't have air conditioning in those days. You didn't, you didn't, keep, you didn't keep the house all locked up. You let the, let the wind blow through the house. You leave the windows up. And guess what? Nobody went in there robbing you, breaking into your house, going through the windows and coming through the doors to steal. You know why? Because they knew each other and they could commit and they could communicate. And so they trusted each other. And so I can go across the street and say, uh, Miss Tompkins, my mother sent me. My mother said, I want to get some sugar. I need. Can you loan her some sugar? She said, child, go in the, go in the kitchen, get whatever, how much you want. Didn't make any difference there. <clears throat> Everybody co- cooperated, stayed together, played together, shared together. So to answer your question, if you're going to get the device, if you're going to get rid of the device, the, the device among black folk and recapture what was taken from you, along with your money and your wealth, was, was your ability to come together at any point, any place, any time and cooperate with each other. You can't cooperate with people that you don't know. <clears throat> if, you don't, if you don't live in a community and you don't know them, you're not going to cooperate, Doc. Mm. So well, they're going to say divided. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And um, I do not know. And I want everybody to listen. Uh, I, I can't think of any situation where if you have uh, an army, um, you know, and you're fighting against another army that's unified and has a collective strategy and a coordinated strategy and mm-hmm. you scatter in different directions, uh, you're not going to win that fight. Your soldiers are going to get killed one by one. And, uh, and so when I think about things like integration designed to dilute black concentration. Uh, I, I connect that not just with uh, integration itself in terms of dilution of the financial resources, uh, giving our money to all these other businesses except our own, uh, you know, uh, uh, dilution in terms of population. We're trying to live in everybody's neighborhood, except uh, you know, we don't want to be around each other. Uh, I also see dilution in terms of, uh, of, of family, uh, you know, where the men and the women that kind of feel like they can go in different directions and not understand that uh, as a family unit, uh, you are better off as a unit. And uh, and I think that we got to understand it from a microscopic level. Right. You've got the big the big scale of it, which is uh, black people are now winning. You know, we 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 all sort of hit by the same racism, same discrimination, same mistreatment, things like that. And all of us feel powerless to fight it individually. Right. But uh, so so to me, that unity piece is extremely important. And it starts with the core of community unity, which is the family. And so I feel like, Dr. Anderson, that when they destroyed our families, that's when they really got us. 
Uh, if you think about it, I want everybody to listen to me when I say this. Not Dr. Anderson, I'd like you to get the last word on this. But uh, think I want y'all to think about how hard it is when you have just let's say it's just uh, like like my family when the, when the father left. You know, my mother was just by herself. She wasn't trying to she wasn't in a position to go and change the world. We weren't in a position to defend ourselves against anything because I was a little I'm a little baby. She's a single mother. She's we were just hoping to survive, you know, and, and there's a lot of families out there, a lot of black folks out there that are in survival mode. Uh, I know a lot of men. You say, well, how are you doing? Are you are you changing the world? What are you doing? Nah, man, just barely making it, barely making it by. And uh, people that have strong families don't have to talk like that. They've got the basics handled. So they're able to, as a group, go accomplish things. They're able to, you know, take care of the basic needs and go start a business. Uh, they're able to uh, defend themselves against uh, outside attacks. So, so I really want everybody, and maybe Dr. Anson, maybe you can tell me where I'm off base or, or what's right and what's wrong about this argument. But I believe that that, that, that unity starts um, on a very basic level, uh, not just with your, uh, your, your, your spouse and your children, but also even when uh, when you're engaging other people uh, around you, um, I am able to survive because I formed healthy relationships with other black people who are like minded to me. So I don't feel like I'm alone. You know, I say a lot of you know, I say a lot of radical things that, that where white people will fire me quickly. You know, they, they white people won't support me for anything that I do. But I'm OK with that because I've got other black people around me that I can count on and turn to. And we have formed a group. So so I, so I think that that word group is a really important word. And I don't know if we focus on that enough in terms of understanding that that's where wealth and power comes from. Most wealthy people are part of a group. Can you speak to that? You're absolutely right. <clears throat> and and that divisiveness really goes back all the way to, to, uh, to slavery began, when slavery began. And they started bringing those blacks onto those ships coming out of Africa. And what they did, Boris, was to divide them up. They kept them pretty well divided. And they mixed them up with other black folks who, you know why? So they could not communicate. They could not form communities on those ships because they were, they were, they were pinned to a table and to a, to a platform. And they had to associate with others who had different languages. Right now in Africa, that's your biggest problem in Africa right now. Those blacks in Africa can't do very much of anything. You know why? Because in 1886, when they, when they went into March into Germany and started at the Berlin Conference, they said, let's, let's split that damn country up. That continent up and split it up and make it and say everybody pick up get the map draw a circle around that land which you want as white people to own in Africa and uh, and so everybody drew a piece America took uh, Liberia and the rest of everybody others took took different continent and French Germans everybody took a piece of Africa and then they, and then guess what and then in that they socially integrated them so that now if I go to Liberia, go to, to go to uh, uh, Nigeria, for instance, like when I take, he had a trade mission there. I found there are over 200, Doc, there are over 200 tribes, members of different tribes in, in Nigeria. And guess what? Guess how many languages they got? They got over 200 different languages there. Now, how in the hell are you going to communicate and, and, and get rid of divisiveness when you've already been divided through social engineering? You've been socially engineered to be divided. And so now, now, nowadays they call it social integration rather than social engineering. And here you are now in, in Washington D.C., where where seventy-five percent of the black kids are being sent out of this, on buses into different neighborhoods where they are still a minority. They're a minority and can't communicate and have nobody to identify with in those communities all day long. Black folks should be ashamed of themselves and the black leadership in this country. Any visible black in America right now should go stick his head in the toilet and flush it. For being that damn dumb to go around and keep, let people keep socially integrating you, dividing you up, talking about we I belong to the Democratic Party, you belong to the Republican Party. I said, well, where is a black party? Why didn't you start a black party? In 1997, when I wrote Powernomics, I said the first thing you must do is create your own black party in America and call it a black Nick, you know, the black party uh, uh, for for black people in America, not an African American party. Not an African American, because you got blacks coming in from 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 Europe. You got blacks coming in from Africa. You got blacks coming in from the Caribbean. They are not native black people. They've never been subjected to the same kind of discrimination and centuries of of abuse, exploitation, misuse, and misdirection that whites are imposing on them. Native black Americans are different from any other blacks coming to America every day, 
And so you see, you look on TV right now, half the people that got jobs on television right now, they're not native black, black Americans. Those are people that came in from the islands and other every place else. They don't have the same perspective. They're going to be, they're going to be totally for integration. Integration is again to destroy black folk. That's why you got gentrification. Gentrification is a form, another form of social integration where whites are going to dominate and control. I can go on and on, but I just, at this point, I know your time is up and we'll pick up this again later. But I, but, but right now, as I said, we have no schools in this country that have been disengaged from how they were set up originally to either teach black folk to be subjective, obedience, and be willing to be guests in what other people own and control. That's, that's where it was set up. They were, they were denied the basic skills instead of teaching business uh, from the perspective of building industries and, and able and dominating and producing products and services and good for their people. They were taught business administration. They've never been taught how to learn how to build and control resources. And, be, and if you want something in the society, don't go after rights. Rights ain't worth a damn. That's why nobody else talks about rights but black folk. If I talk about women, women gonna say, we want us, what do you want for rights? We want women's rights. What do you want? We want gay rights. What do you want? We want uh, we want uh, 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 army rights. We want uh, poor people rights. Uh, what do you want? Uh, we want uh, uh, physically handicapped rights. You get to a black person, what do you want? I want civil rights. I said, like, who in the hell is civil? We're talking about civil. You had civil rights back in the 1860s, 1816, and you gave it away through the Supreme Court. Now everybody talks about civil rights. Civil rights is a negative, a negative. And, and, you, and not one has ever gotten, so Dr. Anderson, we're with you. By the Black History Reader, look at the first chapter, first question, it says, you've been socially integrated and socially engineered into being incompetent, non-competitive, and supported to anything else coming into the country. And this thing now that Biden is pushing for the DACA, for more immigrants coming in, is going to clean your tubes. And then as far as education is concerned, black people have the record coming out of slavery between 18, between 18, uh, 1840s and all the way to the 1880s. Black folk hold the records for having the greatest educational achievement in the history of the world. Not Jews, not, not whites, not Asians, not Hispanic, black folk. Because up until, late, until, until the end of uh, the Civil War, black people were denied an education of any substance. It was against the law to teach a black person to read and write. It would cost you $100, 100 lashes, and, and the fine for being caught teaching a black person to read and write. And yet, so that means that in, when, when slavery ended in the 1860s, guess what? 96% of all the black people in America could not read and write. That was from, eight, from 1866. In 30 years up to 96, guess what? Black folk educated themselves. Like I'm telling you, do now educate yourself based on what your needs are, not what other people's needs are. And then, and so in that, in that 30 year period between 1866 and 1896, black people in America reduced their illiteracy rate for being stuck on stupid. They reduced it from 96% down to 42% in, in 30 years. And at the same time, all these whites were bringing in all these immigrants to be the management class over black folk in, in that 30 year, same 30 year time period. And guess what? that 96%, almost 100% of all the whites coming into America could not read and write either. It's just like black folk couldn't. But they went into a management class. It went into, because the first whites, the first uh, load, shipload of whites came over, they came over to be the ownership class. Those were the wealthy people that got all the land and resources. The second load that came in after the Civil War, they came in to be the management class, to be over black folk, to provide them for jobs and, and, and use, their, 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 use them as cheap labor. And they could not read and write. But black folk in that 30-year time period reduced their literacy rate from, from 96%, same as white, dumbass whites coming from abroad in, and then down to, down to 42%. So black folk can do it if they focus on building institutions whose primary and sole responsibility is to teach their people how to, the skills and attitudes that are and competencies that are necessary to be a competitive, cohesive people, period. That's it. And right now we don't have that. We have no white institution that's teaching black folks to be able to unite and collaborate for their betterment. We have no black, we have no white schools that teach black folks that whites are basically homicidal and not, and not suicidal. Nobody's going to do it, but somebody like Claude Anderson and Dr. 
Dr. Watkins, who would say, get out there and educate your own people based on your needs, where you want to go in the new world. And that's what, what you should be doing. And I love you for it. And I think, I'm sorry I took up all your time. You didn't take up all my time. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm honored that you uh, took the time to share that with us. And uh, and everybody, I want you to know uh, that uh, if you want, our, you remember our, our fundamental belief in the Black Business School is the Black Core 3. We believe Black people should educate our own children, create our own jobs, support Black businesses. And then the fourth one would be rebuild our families. We have to do that because your education system, your school system starts in your house. It starts with your family. And so uh, don't even just look at us. Uh, you know, we, we can provide guidance, but I want you to look internally. You define the culture in your house. Every household has a culture. Uh, define what that culture is going to be. And so uh, if you want some help, we have some free resources at the allblackagenda.com, uh, like the $5 a day investing plan, how you can build a capital base for your child by investing small amounts of money over a 20 year period. Your child will be financially secure. They will not be in the struggle. They will not be out here talking like all these other victims. Your child will be in a position where they do not have to work for anybody if they don't want to. Uh, the other little things you do, uh, the, those little tiny things will make all the difference. So please, please do those things. Now, Dr. Anderson, <clears throat> I want to say thank you for your time. And I want to remind everybody that Dr. Anderson's website is powernomics.com. I'm going to put this up on the screen uh, so that everybody can see it uh, because I, I really want everybody to go. And when you're building your own internal school system, go to powernomics.com, uh, add Dr. Anderson's books into your library. I have been in my library for my children. We gave away copies of Powernomics at my wedding. Uh, because uh, the wedding should reflect what you believe in. That's one of the things I believe in. So uh, feel free to go to powernomics.com. Also, last but not least, don't forget that tonight we're releasing our new film called Till Death Do Us Part. And uh, it's all about restoring black families. And uh, and I got uh, five couples, six couples, I'm sorry, that, uh, but Tierra KJ Williams is the director. And she got six black couples that have been married for more than 30 years and have, have children and grandchildren and a powerful legacy. And I want them to give you the raw truth on what it takes to do that. And we're going to bring in not just, uh, not, we're not just going to enjoy the movie for free, which I don't want you to pay anything, but also we want to talk about the healing process. Uh, that's why we're bringing in uh, not just the couples and the director, but we're bringing in a therapist. The first one is going to actually be my wife, Dr. Alicia. We'll bring in some others as well because I want you to heal. I want you to heal because I promise you, if you can find a way to get along with other black folks and form a group, then that gives you the chance to compete as a group. But if you can't form a group, if you always fight and you're always traumatizing each other, triggering each other, trying to hate on hate, attack each other constantly, you can't build groups which means white supremacy will always win. You can't, an individual can't buy the system. Systems are built on groups. Build your group, build your system. That's how you win. So thank you very much, Dr. Anderson. Uh, it was great to see you again, my friend. Well, thank you. And as I said, I feel excellent today. I feel like I can go out and fight the world on behalf of uh, Black Powernomics and my good friend, Doc, who's operating one of the best schools in the country for Blacks and teach them where they are and where they need to go and the skills they're going to need to get them there. And again, provide the leadership to take them there. Because right now we have no black leadership in the country, period. Not one was out there talking strictly and solely for black folk. They're out there talking about all these cross horizontal groups that are now competing with black folk for the resources. And the thing we should be looking for is resource ownership. It's what you own and control that determines your future, your opportunities, and what you can get and where you can go. So you tell them that. Tell them rights won't do it. Rights ain't worth a quarter. And what you need is coal on and control resources. I love you, my buddy. And I'll see, you too. I'll see you next week, okay? All right, my friend. Take care. And by the way, uh, to watch the movie tonight, you can go to blackmovienight.net. That's the URL. Some of y'all were asking for it. It's right there on the screen. So have a good day, everybody. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. Take care, Dr. Anderson. Uh, I'll Thank see you. Thank you, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.